This is The Jason Jones Show, powered by Mudhouse Media. Now, here's Jason Jones. Aloha, everybody, and welcome to The Jason Jones Show, broadcasting from the west side of Oahu in the midst of the corona apocalypse. Today, we're going to have an informative and fun show with the host of one of my favorite podcasts, This, That, and the Third. We're going to be interviewing G. Moody, Gerald Moody, and he is, he's got a five-star podcast. He broadcasts from Brooklyn, but all over New York City. He's got a great ear for music. He's funny. He's intellectual. He's got a big heart. He's a winsome, gregarious, generous soul. And that's why I love his podcast. And also because it's like going back in time and listening to, when I was a boy, how all men talked. Remember how men talked in the 70s and 80s? And that's what it's like. It's like I'm a kid playing wiffle ball in the, in the streets, and there's some men just watching us talking, and this is how they would talk. Right? I'd be in the boxing gym, and then there'd be the old guys. You know, by old, I mean guys in their 40s and 50s sitting on the bleachers watching us, and I'd listen to them argue and laugh and talk. That's what it's like listening to his show, This, That, and the Third. But he has become... New York City's official corona correspondent giving accurate information from the overwhelmed hospitals. So I took that opportunity to invite onto my show one of my favorite podcasters. So let's just get on with it. This episode has been brought to you by Movie to Movement, promoting the truth about the incomparable beauty of the human person through the power of film. Look for our new film. Divided Hearts of America, starring Benjamin Watson, everywhere in 2020, and the Vulnerable People Project on a great campaign to defend the vulnerable from violence. Go to their website, our website, thegreatcampaign.org, and sign up to be a part of our team today. So let's get on with the show with the one, the only, the New York City style podcaster G Moody Jason Jones show Aloha G Moody welcome to the Jason Jones show the Stonehenge of podcasts it's an honor to have you on my show brother man thank you man thank you man glad to be here bro well, I, I said I'm the Stonehenge of podcasts because you are the pyramid of podcasts, the most beautiful, the best. You are the one show. I, there's a lot of podcasts I like, but I do not listen to as regularly as I aspire to. But your show is the one show I never miss, and it's a very important part of my ritual. My work can be very stressful. The best part of my day is when I jump in my car with my pre-workout drink, and I throw my boxing gloves in my bag, and I go to the gym. Every day at noon, and I listen to G. Moody. And when you have a new episode, I just it makes my day. So, oh man, appreciate that, bro. Yeah, Thank well, you so much. Well, no, your podcast. Let me tell you. At first, I was like, "Why is this?" People would say, "What's the podcast about?" I said, "Well, it's about this, that, and the third. How how do <laughs> well, how do I explain to people what your podcast is about?" So basically, you would explain it as it's every 
everything you can imagine. Like you think about certain things, you're interested in things you may not know about, but you still have your opinion on it. So that's why I call it this, that, and the third. It's literally everything. And we just throw it in a pot and I just talk about it, you know, from a logic, you know, reason uh, standpoint. We try to deal with it like that and have fun. And you're not afraid of what people think. Your, your opinion changes on this, changes on that, grows on this, grows on that. You know what? And it dawned on me after just listening to you for years. You talk like every man in America talked 30 years. When we were growing up, there was a way men talked. Yeah. We would sit there and we would listen to men. They could be a teamster. Right. They could be a Republican CEO. They could be Catholic. They could be, pro- they could be anything. But men had a way of talking. You know, like, that's how men talk. That's how men think. So, Gerald, what I, I realized after listening to you for years, what I liked about it was, first I thought it was you talked like my friends in my neighborhood growing up talk. So I thought it was like listening to my friends. But then I realized, no, it wasn't like listening to my friends because my friends were, we were young. It's like listening to the men in my life when I was a young man, when I was a boy. Right. Do you, right. Do you get that? Yeah. Do you get that that's what you, yeah. you have? You're just like a men used to be. Yeah. Um. Yeah, people tell me that uh, in New York, you know, they tell me the same thing because, you know, I kind, I'm kind of, uh, you know, I was raised and I heard people like that my whole life being in New York. So it just naturally became part of me as I age. And that's the only way I know how to communicate like that way, very direct. And, you know, I'm open to other, you know, uh, viewpoints, but, you know, this is just the way I communicate it. And people like that, and I like doing that too. Well, you, you bring up New York, and that is the other thing I love about your podcast. I'm like, this man loves New York as much as I love the neighborhood I'm from and the place that I adopted as my home when I was 17, Hawaii. I mean, you mm. love New York. You, you listen to yeah. your show. You guys are quarantined. If you want to yeah. go to New York, you listen to this, that, and the third, and you were on the streets of New York with G. Moody. Absolutely. We try to do it. We do it outside any chance that we get and we usually accomplish it walking around the Bronx you know I have mics on me and just to get the ambiance of the sound in the podcast that gives the texture I try to bring New York to the listener and especially if you are from New York and you're somewhere else around the world I bring you back home and people are familiar with the sound of New York the sirens of the dogs everything so it's great to do it. I love to actually uh, record it and edit it too. So it's, it's, it's awesome. So you do, yeah, that's what makes your podcast the most unique podcast in the world is its use of music and the editing. I love the last one. You were talking to a guy from Mall of America in the Mall of America. Yeah. Next thing you know, we're listening to Prince and, and it's awesome. And so it's yes, uh, yes. your use of music. So that's you because that's complex. Yes. The way you weave music in oh, is not easy. Yeah, not not at all, man. And um, I, I, I couldn't hire no one uh, to do that because like, you have to know all the music and, you know, words trigger songs in my, in my mind. So I know exactly what's going to fit. When you talk about you get these emails from podcasters asking you, how do you do this and how do you do that and how do you – I'm like – and then you say, you know, figure it out on your own. I'm like an old school DJ. I'm not letting you see the music I'm using or how I'm doing it. And I'm thinking, wow, I'm so glad I didn't send him that email. I was going to send the same email myself. <laughs> <laughs> So it's, yeah, man, we try to be unique. We, it's a lot of us out here. We want to be unique. We want to stand out. Yeah, no, you are unique. You're entertaining. You love your city. You love the people of your city. And yes. you're an independent thinker. And do you ever get Absolutely. afraid? Like, you kind of have progressed since I've been following you on some things. 
I would say progress, but you've you've uh, changed on some opinions. Do you ever get afraid to kind of because you don't show it? It just seems like it's seamless. You even like will talk about ideas as you're thinking about them. Mm-hmm. Have you ever think like, man, maybe I shouldn't say this, or maybe I shouldn't say, maybe I shouldn't talk about Candace Owens, or have you ever thought about that, or you just don't even no, care? No, 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 because I feel like you know we're all individuals, and um, I could have my own thoughts, and I could uh, believe something. And, you know, I should be able to stand on a conviction if I'm strong with it. And I think I am most of the time. And I think I don't offend people too much. I think it's just like it may be a different point of view. And you have to respect it. And just like I would respect any other point of view, I just have mine. And we, we, could, we could debate, you know, but I'm going to stand on it. And if you could persuade me with, you know, your, your commentary, then that's fine. But usually. I have thought about it, and I come to it on the fly sometimes, and I just spit it out. Yeah, great. Well, that, and that goes back to the men that we knew growing up. They would, they, we would listen to them. They would argue. They would make fun yep. of each other. They would laugh, and they loved each other. They could disagree on really important issues. And Absolutely. that's yes. the world I still inhabit. That's how my friends, my friends are. I hate when people go, yeah. We recently had a party, and a friend that I brought with me to the party goes, well, you have the most diverse friends. I said, they just look diverse. They're all beautiful in the same way. Like, you, right. you missed it. They're just, they might be, one's Muslim, uh, one's a lesbian, one's Jewish, one's me, I'm Catholic. They're liberal, I'm mm-hmm. conservative. You think we're different because you're looking at the wrong things, but if you had the right eyes, you would see we're all very similar. And, um, and with that loving thoughtfulness, letting, like you said, people can disagree. Why did yeah. we get to a point where people can't disagree with you? You, you disagree with me, great. Whatever, move along. Exactly. That's that. That's how I see it. That's why I have no problem with other points of view. It's like, okay, I didn't think about it like that way, but how about this? This is how, that's how you do it. Yeah, we all have different experiences that lead us to different things, and sometimes I, I can see someone's experience has led them to a belief, even if I think they're wrong. I can understand, man, that experience has got them locked in on that, and I understand why they're thinking the way they are, and that's what it is to be American, right? That's the beautiful thing about this country. And, that is um, correct. And, and that's why I wanted to have you on. I've been wanting to have you on. I didn't think you'd agree to come on my podcast, but I've been wanting to have you on, and I thank you for coming on. And your mayor has lost his mind. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely, yeah, for sure. I mean, when he said that he would shut down places of worship forever, like he thinks he's Caesar? Does he think he's... Mm. Cyrus the Great, I, was he going to salt the earth under churches and mosques and synagogues that dare open? Wow. That, that's to stop people from gathering. Yes. Wow, that I didn't hear that. that damn, that, that's crazy. Man. Yeah, he said that if you open up your church, synagogue, or mosque, he actually didn't say synagogue or mosque, um, but he said churches, but you know, he meant everything, that he would right. shut them down forever. Now, if an uh, imam or a rabbi or a priest or pastor wants to shut down their place of worship, that's their business. But when a petty mayor of Gotham City with that f- siren he put on, what is going on with the siren? Uh, oh, man. Uh, uh, it's, it's a theater, too. You know, the news here is 24-7, uh, just like ramming uh, panic and fear, and that's all part of it. And it's just for that guy to tell people that, they can't get together to pray in this time. 
man, that's something else, man. That's very that's stepping uh, out of bounds, stepping over the line. It's like, you know, people are already frightened to death, and this is when you call on your God, right? And then for a mayor to say, well, we're going to close them forever. This is really that that's that's just out of line, man. It's just I, I just heard it from you, and it's just crazy, man. No, that was that statement I, because look. Like you, you said you believe this is real. Of course it's real, right? There's this COVID-19, it's real. But it's the theater, it's the deception, it's the exaggeration Uh and hyperbole. So you have been doing the best on-the-street coverage in New York. So you saw my little video that went viral uh, all over the world where I tripped across just trying to get my nose swabbed, a big scam. And now they're being federally investigated. Uh, I've, Mm. I've I've been informed. That little charade. But now, oh, now New York, we're told New York is just unbelievable. They've got morgues, the National Guard. Yeah. They've got prisoners building mass graves. Mm-hmm. Do you think mm-hmm. news reports on mass graves is comforting anybody? And then <laughs> you did this great report where you just walked around, you went to the hospitals, you talked to a lot of people, you're getting a lot of information. Yep. What is the, what is the truth about what's happening in New York City from what you've been able to see with your investigations? Well, um, I went outside, uh, you know, I was just sitting in a park, you know, I just wanted to see what was going on because, you know, I, I know the news is, is, is on some next foolishness. So I went outside, I went to Harlem Hospital, and I wanted to verify what they were saying. They said the city is overrun, all the, all the hospitals, and they need so much help. So I'm walking up to Harlem Hospital, and I don't see the, you know, the war zone. They said the hospitals were a war zone. So I found it odd that it was actually no motion and no movement outside. I saw ambulance drivers having a coffee break, smoking cigarettes. So I go around to the emergency exit. So I'm saying if it's a war zone, it should be a convoy of ambulances back and forth. I actually walked into the hospital and I saw one guy sitting with a broken arm. That was one thing. And then I went to another hospital in the Bronx and it was the same exact thing. I asked one of the workers, I said, what's going on inside? Is it like they say? He said, no, it's regular. He was outside smoking a cigarette. So if you watch TV, they control your perception, which in turn controls your reality. So they just drum that fear and panic into your mind to where they are presenting a picture and you are believing it. And it's just, it's just terrible and irresponsible to do that. But the question I had to ask myself is why would they want to hype up a virus? A virus is already bad. It doesn't need a hype person. So I, I just don't understand that, but it's, there's a reason for it though. We just don't know. Yeah. We know we're being conned. We know there's a, a, a mischief afoot. Yeah. But we yeah, just don't know exactly. what the you know, the final straw for me was that siren on top of the Empire State. I'm like, I, can you imagine? I mean, can you see that siren and, and I all over New York City? You I know, mean, does it like light the whole sky up, or is it just in Manhattan? I mean, how far does that red no, flashing no, it, light it, go? It, it, it's just in Manhattan. They put different colors on the top of the Empire State Building, like for different days. So St. Patty's Day would be like a green um, um, thing. So this is just to keep that fear going all part of it it's just like because 
when you go around to these hospitals and there's a guy on YouTube that went to Elmhurst Hospital in Queens, which was supposed to be the top of the line overran hospital. And he went there and he filmed and it was zero, zero motion. And he couldn't believe it. It's on YouTube. I think the guy's name is Jason Goodman. Check it out yourself. He walked around there at the height of the uh, epidemic and really nothing. Like, like nothing. It shouldn't be. It should be chaos. You call it a war zone. It should be nonstop ambulances. Why isn't it that? It's, it's terrible to do that to people, man. I just don't get it. And they're actually killing people. You know, on the show that I had before you, it was a psychiatrist from the state of Hawaii who is they're having an epic uh, number of suicides. They're not, you know, they don't report suicides. And, you know, if, yeah. if you're battling mental illness or if you've been fighting to get your restaurant going and you put your... You took out a home equity loan from your home because that's what we working class yeah. people do to throw in your little restaurant, your food truck. And now you yeah. just, you're devastated. You're trapped in your mind. You go out and now they're saying, we're going to be closed for 18 months, 200,000 mm. dead. Prisoners, prisoners are digging mass graves. We don't need, wow. we're, we're Americans. Hey, look, when our loved ones die, we will build, you know, we will, we will dig their graves. We got that. Okay. We don't need. This isn't Eastern Europe. We're not Russia. We're not Nazi Germany. We don't need prisoners digging mass graves. Right, right. It's PSYOP. I, I, I call it psychological operation. <laughs> this is what I call that, that news, man. You can't watch that. You have to, you have, to have uh, critical thinking and, un and understand that this is a business, too, man. What they do is just it'll, it, will, it will ruin your mind. It will, it will confuse you. So I go outside and I, I see what's up. I see it. I'm like, wow. Now, how are the people of New York City on the streets? How are they handling it? Are they, are they afraid? Are there conspiracy theories spreading around? Or are they going about life as usual? Netflix and chilling and they're just like, ah, oh, this is whatever. We'll figure it out. Or conspiracy well, the street, theories. For the most part, the streets are deserted. They empty the streets. There's a few people like myself out here who are, you know, they, they take precautions, but they're out doing uh, what they need to do or whatever. But for the most part, the streets are deserted. It looks like an a, a old movie lot, like an old Universal Studio movie lot. Old New York with the buildings, but not many people on the streets. And they have succeeded in really putting people in their home. Really, they have succeeded. And, man, it just makes you feel like people are kind of like sheep. Like you could herd them anywhere. And it's just because of the media. They think it's so credible, but when in actuality, it's not. Historically, they have always lied. You know, this is American media propaganda. So I just feel like, yo, they, they really are up to something because there's no reason to shut down America for this. It's never happened before. So it's something else, man. This is just the precursor, I think. Yeah, when people say, what do you think it is? I say, I think it is bigger than my brain could even imagine. And I will not yeah. even, I will not even, yeah. like I said on Alex Jones, all I know is there is a God and every human being is made in his image and I'm called to love my neighbor. And I think that's, when we go through crisis like this, I don't want to be manipulated into doing anything wrong, anything evil, anything disrespectful right. to anyone else. And so I think that's the one thing I keep telling everyone. Remember, all you are called to do in this life is love God and love your neighbor. Don't scapegoat. 
Don't blame people. We see these silly videos. We have a, a crime in New York against someone who's Chinese. Um, yeah, my wife fair. is my wife is Chinese from New York City, and yeah. um, you know it's just silliness. And you think that we've 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 seen this before. You know, you see these memes going on of this elderly Chinese woman with dementia who took a crap in someone's yard. Did you see that? No, I didn't see that. And as millions of people are sharing it, going, the Chinese have sent her here to spread corona. Yes, they sent a oh, woman man. with Alzheimer's to walk around suburban neighborhood taking a crap. That's oh, a yeah. seeing you maybe crap every two days. That's a very slow way of spreading the coronavirus. <laughs> like, I, yo, that's stupid. Man. No, it's just, it's just insanity. But you know what happens when you scare people? When they're starting yeah. to see through the lies, then conspiracy theories, all kinds of conspiracy theories pop up. And then you start mm-hmm. trying to place the blame. The only people I place the blame with is the media and our elected officials who, like you said, have a history. I mean, think about this. They lied to us to get us in the war in Iraq. We all know that was a lie. Yeah, yeah. They lied to yeah. us in the first Gulf War. Remember when, and I was in the Army at the time, they had that Kuwaiti girl crying on TV that she saw the Iraqis. And now I've done a lot of work in Iraq. I have a lot of Iraqi friends. They're the most beautiful, civilized people on Earth. That the Iraqis were bayoneting children. Come on. The Iraqi yeah. regular army. It turned out that that was the ambassador to Kuwait's daughter who was at Georgetown visitation when she claimed that she was in Kuwait. She never saw any of that. The Gulf of Tonkin was a facade. Uh, the battleship Maine. I mean, we go back to that. This, you know, the Spanish-American War was uh, we blew up. I mean, we know they lie. Yeah. We know yeah. about they Freeway think- Rick and the CIA and crack. We know. But why do we always recognize the last lie, but always when we're in the middle of this one, this time it's telling they're telling us the truth. Yeah, I know. And people just very gullible. They don't think that this, uh, you know, that, you know, government is dirty business, man. Like, you know, it's not clean. It's not clean. This is government, all kind of stuff going on. So to be so gullible is just sad, too. Like, you, you can't believe that these cats will, will lie? You really can't believe that? This goes on 24 hours, man. Yeah, and we always believe just the other side can lie. So for Republicans, oh, Democrats can lie. Democrats, Republicans can lie. They all lie. Yes, the dirty business. Man. It's not like Politics. this side or that side. Like, no, the, both sides have lied to us. People in power, right. both Republican and Democrat administrations have deceived us. And they can get together and deceive us like they did the Iraq War. Hillary Clinton and George W. Bush, hand in hand, walked us right into that Iraq War. John Kerry, hand in hand. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a power grab. They're fighting for power. They're going to do whatever they have to. Now, New Yorkers, though, strike me as a people that like to be outside when spring starts to happen. Now, do you know we're just we're told today you are not going to get this payroll advance or you're not going to get this thousand dollar check if you haven't filed your taxes? So imagine I'm a restaurant worker, uh, which I was. I'm a waiter. And, man, tax time comes along, and it stings. And then I ask my accountant, can we file late? Or let me get this money together. The people who need it most, the people who have delayed filing their taxes, the people who can't call up an accountant and get this taken care of in a day or two, they're not getting that check. Damn. And they're not going to get that check in a timely way. So what's going to happen in New York? I think New Yorkers, even though you vote for some kooks like de Blasio and (laughs) – and uh, uh, what's the little man's name? The short guy? The, with the, Bloomberg. The booster chair? Mini Mike. Yeah, Mini Mike. Uh. Uh, Mini Mike Bloomberg. 
you know, he spent all that money for me to remember his name. And I, a billion dollars. And I don't even remember his name. So Bloomberg. But, but the New Yorkers just strike me as almost like the people of Hawaii. We vote for one type, but we're a different type of people. In Hawaii, we're very socially conservative, very family-orientated, uh, very independent. But then we vote for people who don't represent our values. To me, New Yorkers are the same way. They're all about yep. their family, their friends, their neighborhood. What's going to happen in eight weeks when they're not getting their checks? Oh, man. I think that's why they've seen some tanks and some National Guard uh, around. Maybe they're preparing for some uh, civil unrest due to, you know, you never know. That could be, that's a possibility. You know, um, if that happens, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to think like stores are boarded up. Those luxury brands, they know like something's coming. They're boarded up on Fifth Avenue. It could be. They could, you know, seems like an engineered economic collapse. And they're getting ready for what's going to follow, follow after that. It's just really kind of scary, too, when you think about it. It's like they're kind of getting ready for it. Yeah, it's scary when they're digging mass graves. We're not seeing anyone needing those graves from COVID-19. Yeah. They're boarding up luxury yeah. stores and the National Guard's being mobilized. Yeah. Yeah. And now, and by the way, with your mortgage, I got all excited. We get a 90 day, 90 day break on our mortgage. But do you know there's a trick to that too? In 90 wow. days, well, you, you need to right. pay it all. Oh. You need to pay it all? Yeah. You got 90 days to figure out how you're going to pay. Let's say your mortgage is $2,000 a month and they give you 90 day break. But at the end of that 90 days, you need to stroke them a check for $8,000 for those three months and your next month. Wow. So now I'm a restaurant worker and my wife works at a restaurant. That's how we met. Let's just say that's normal. That's a normal American family. I was a bartender. My wife was a waitress. We met. I'm a bartender. She's a waitress. We put our taxes off. We're not, that $1,200 we're supposed to get. Uh, and our unemployment check, and we got a 2K mortgage. And now after 90 days, by the way, we're not unemployed because of anything we decided or our consumers decided or our managers decided. We're unemployed right. because the government shut the economy down. Right. Forced unemployment. That's right. And now in 90 days, we got to come up with the $8,000. But we haven't been working for 90 days. And right, right. What are they trying? I, I, I don't know, man. This is attention seems sinister. I mean, it's like open up the country. I mean, why won't they do that? I don't, I don't know. It, what are they trying to force people to do? That's the thing. Yeah, that's my hope is that Trump just we're going to have enough evidence in two weeks to know if this is a big scam. And we've already found out in Italy the numbers were rigged. You know, mm. we already found out in Italy they were, if you died in a motorcycle accident, they tested you for COVID. And if you had your asymptomatic COVID, they put that you died in COVID. And you know why that frustrates me? I've been telling people, the man who raised me, not my biological father, but the man who raised me, my mom was married a lot. So it was her second husband of six, I think. But he was the one that was mm -hmm. always there for me and my siblings. And he died last year. I told people he died of lung cancer. But he didn't die of lung right. cancer. You know what he died from? What? The flu. But we didn't say my really? dad died of the lung cancer. Yeah, he got the flu. He was battling lung cancer. He was on chemotherapy. And in his treatment, his immune system is almost down to zero. And that's what happens. He died of oh. the flu. This is what happens. The flu kills 
You know, there have been winters where 60,000 people die in America of the flu. Yeah. Most yeah. of those people aren't saying they died of the flu. Their family's saying my dad died of cancer, my you know, mom died of breast cancer, whatever. But in the end of the day, it was the flu that snuck in there. And now in Italy, right. they were taking people, oh, you died in a moped accident. They, t- they tested them. They were asymptomatic for COVID. They put down they died from COVID. Right. That's what the numbers were, were rigged. The numbers were rigged. And they were saying only the people who tested positive were saying who had it. But, of course, if 80% of people are asymptomatic, you know right near that number's way off. Because only mm-hmm. 20% of the population would even be in a position to think to get tested. Hmm. Yeah. That's what's trending on uh, Twitter as well. Hashtag film your hospital and uh, hashtag plandemic. And they're, they're, they're posting hospitals and one, uh, one, uh, a guy, a police officer, I forget, I think it was in uh, Minnesota, passed away. And they said the, the cop had COVID. The family came back and said, that's not what happened. He didn't have that crazy man the same thing in hawaii our first covid death family came out and said that's not true and they had to retract it and see Gerald, this is why we're people are like oh can you believe in a conspiracy it is not a conspiracy that they got a flashing red light in new york city it is not a conspiracy they're saying all of our hospitals are overwhelmed there's no actual evidence of that it is not a, a conspiracy that they are exaggerating the numbers my wife is is from um the bronx and she was a model, and she went to FIT, so she's all into fashion. She noticed something I would have never noticed. After a week of watching the news, she goes, Babe, do you realize every channel we've watched, every woman, every day, has been wearing red. Red, the color mm. of danger. Red, the color of blood. Red, the cover that is color that's agitating. She's like, in fashion, you know that that's what red does. Red is a color that oh. gets your heart racing. It's the color of sex. It's the color of violence. It's the color... That's red. That's what it's meant to do. So as a model and someone from the fashion industry, she's paying attention to this. She goes, I've never seen a woman. This is not, no, no. Why are these, these reporters, no woman would want to wear the same color every day. They want to mix it up. They're, they're fashion thought, they're they're thoughtful of their image. So she's like, why are they, um, just little things like that. Right. Uh, News stories like digging mass graves. Yeah. Um, yeah. Pandemic. Overwhelmed. Every day. Yeah. And, well, and, and that's your only line of information. Them. Well, no, we got <laughs> a new. Don't go outside. Well, this is why I, want, I wanted to have you on, Gerald. I want people to follow you, follow you on Instagram. How do they follow you on Instagram? Oh, just go to gmoody underscore TV. And, uh, Twitter is Gerald Moody, fifteen sixty. So I'm going to five six zero. I'm going to put both your Twitter and your Instagram and your your podcast in my show notes so people can see what is really happening on the streets of New York. Did anyone try to chase you away? Did the police say go home? Did anyone try to give you a ticket? Um, I tried when I when I tried to go through the door in in a hospital. You know, I got turned away because. They saw uh, my, my camera kind of slipped a little bit, so they saw it, and then they told me to go away. But I was all around. I never got told anything, filming uh, the emergency exits, anything, because there's no nothing going on outside, like nothing. I think, 
That's it's, uh-huh. it, that's got to be surreal for you because that's New York is the liveliest place on earth. Right, right. So, and I'm co- I'm coming out of the train, and I'm saying, okay, they said it's the epicenter, all uh, all boroughs, you know. So, so I I just walked up upon this hospital, and I was like, man, I want to see what's happening. And literally, with no one outside, it's like I didn't see an ambulance come at all. And I was there in the rain for two hours just so I could see something, <laughs> nothing. Now think of how many hypochondriacs there are in New York City. Oh, millions. Millions. Even the hypochondriacs are like, nah, I don't have it. <laughs> <laughs> you would think right. that it would be overwhelmed with hypochondriacs. In fact, I was so proud of my neighborhood. So did you see that viral video of mine that was the first sort of expose at the hospital when I was on the Alex Jones show? I sent it to you. No, no, I didn't see it, man. I think I was outside so much. So I'm the video. I'm sure you've seen it because it's in a lot of montages. I'm the guy in the Hawaii, Hawaii with the army hat with the American flag going, I caught you lying. I caught you. Woman smacked me. I was there. That CEO of Urgent Care smacked me in the head. Got it on videotape. She did it right in front of a cop. And I had, I'd been there for hours and this was two weeks ago and they said they were overwhelmed. And I actually had a meeting with somebody who had supposedly, I don't know, even now had COVID-19 and I'd been in nine cities in 14 days, came back to Hawaii, have an elderly mother-in-law lives with us and her elderly, um, brother. So I, I, I got a hotel room. I was going to self quarantine until I got my test. Well, I have Seven kids, five at home. I don't want to be away from my family. I've already been away for two weeks, so let's get this test. And I expected, you know, they said they had overwhelming lines. And so I brought a book, my reading glasses. I was all excited. I get to sit in my car and read for a couple of hours, you know, and nothing else to do. This is going to be nice. I get there. There's no line, everything. And then they send me away without taking my temperature, said I didn't meet the qualifications. I'm like, I've been on, on in infected cities, box checked. I have a sore throat and a cough, box checked. I have um, met with somebody who tested positive, box checked. I had four of the five boxes checked. The only one I didn't have checked was fever. But actually, I didn't think I had a fever. But when I went to my doctor, I had a fever. I just didn't know it. So I had all five boxes Mm. checked. One box alone should have gotten me tested. So when she sent me away, I said, can I talk to your manager? And my friend is Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard. I texted her my, my card. She tweeted it to the world going, what's going on, Hawaii? Why isn't my friend able to get a test? And so then I already, Newsweek covered it within minutes. So before I even left Urgent Care, within a half hour, Newsweek had already covered it, and a woman running for president already tweeted it out, our member of Congress. So, <laughs> so I said to this woman, you know, you see what's happening now, right? I'm just going to bring more attention to this. Even with that, an elderly Hawaiian woman who was obese, came, and she looked like death. They sent her away without taking her temperature, even though she was referred by her doctor, as I was. So that's when I went out and staked them out for a day, for two days, and I had my friends at all the locations. In my location, over eight hours, uh, or actually three and a half hours, was they all came within a three and a half hour period. It was just nine people, but they were all sent away within a minute. No one had their temperature taken. No one's information was taken. My friends were at the other locations. My one friend used your line. He said, Jason, why am I staking out a movie set? He goes, this is a movie set. Right. This isn't a hospital. This isn't an urgent care testing center. They're literally, it's theatrics. And um, so when I came back the second day, 
and was staking them out. The woman called the police. I approached the police and the woman. Then the CEO smacks me. The CEO of Urgent Care smacks me. And then went uber viral. And um, I've been informed now that they're under federal investigation. So there are these COVID Uh crime units that the Department of Justice is saying, you know, report COVID crimes. But I think the biggest COVID crime is being perpetrated by Fox, MSNBC, CNN, NBC, all the networks. Yeah, they're all in concert. It's like a script. It's like, and action. Start it. (laughs) It's it's like, it's it's really terrible, man. Even people, like you could, you could put people into cardiac arrest. They think the world's coming to an end. Yeah, that's why your podcast for me is a joy. It makes me laugh. I love the music. It's a break. And uh, you even have a way of covering all this silliness in just such a matter-of-fact, nonchalant, well, like I said, <laughs> like dudes would have in the 80s. Could you imagine in 1979 trying this little game right here? Right, right. No, nah, would not have had, People would have laughed. Yeah. They would have went, ha, it, it, yeah, I'm going on, to work. Man. I'm opening the bar. Yeah. I can think of the bars in my neighborhood being closed in 1979 because of this. No. No way. No way. This is why they, uh, in New York, for, at first, people were ignoring it because I was outside and people were playing basketball, working out. And, you know, I was, like, proud. I was, like, good, man. People don't believe this bullshit. Some, you know, something's up. Then as they kept pounding it in, then they had to restrict their movement. So that, that's, what, that's what's been going on now. Like, they're looking at bars. They're looking if you, if you have anybody in, in the store, you're going to get fined. You know, they closed the store, only three people in, in the bodega. It's just they had to restrict it because people weren't really, at first, taking this shit seriously. Yeah, well, now they're ticketing people. In Hawaii, I'm so proud of my daughter. My daughter, she's 28, and her cousin were hiking yesterday. They were in a mountain trail in the Koalau Mountains coming down, and there's a DNLR, Department of of Land and Natural Resources agent, and he tickets them. He gives them a ticket. And my daughter's like, I'm 28. My cousin's 26. We have just hiked a mountain range where no one is for tens of miles. Definitely no elderly or immune compromised people. Why don't you go to Costco where people are nose to butt, thousands of them, and start writing tickets? Like, you you know, you think guys are going to, everyone's mad about the kids on the beach, but they say the sun and the salt water kills it. The last place you're going to pass the coronavirus is surfing. But they're, right. they're chasing people off of our parks, off of our waves. Um, and they're pushing us to Costco and Target. I hear stories of people just go to Walmart and walk around for hours because they're bored. Wow, they just walk around, man. They just go into Walmart. Like when I was a young parent, I became a dad at 18, and we didn't have air conditioning. You know, we would walk around the mall just for air conditioning. Really? In the real hot days. <laughs> now people are just walking around Walmart because it's – and then here's what, what I love my daughter. She goes, Dad, I have an idea. She's like, we got to think about how we're going to make money in all of this. And she's being very sincere. She goes, we need to start a speakeasy. Mm. We need to start a bar, like a secret bar like they had in the 30s. We're going to have a speakeasy. Because people are going to tire of this in about a month. So let's find a place to open up a secret bar. So Yeah, you're going to have to reinvent things now, right? (laughs) Exactly. So, Gerald... (laughs) 
Gerald, I know, is there any final words you got for my guys? I know you, you're busy. You got to get on the streets of New York and report. I want everyone to follow you to see the truth about what's happening in New York, to hear the best music, independent thinking. He's a funny guy. It's the Pyramid of Podcasts. He calls other That's podcasts right. Stonehenge. This is a Stonehenge <laughs> podcast, by the way. <laughs> nah, no, no, no. You, you, you good, man. You all right. <laughs> I've been, I've been given a, 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 a certificate. Yes, Gerald Moody. A, a, a seal. A seal of <laughs> approval. The Gerald Moody seal. That I am no longer a Stonehenge. I'm not even a Stonehenge. I'm like a cave drawing. <laughs> but Gerald, yeah. did, did you sit down with them? So when I started my podcast, in the midst of all I do, I'm like, I have the most beautiful friends. I go to the most beautiful places, and I have my mission statement. My mission statement, yeah. personally, is very simple: to help people see the human person as they really are, that the human person has an incomparable beauty, dignity, and worth and to inspire people to live lives of solidarity with those who are vulnerable. So I said, I want a podcast that does that, but you can't tell that to people all day. So it's like, I have to learn how to be witty, clever, funny, and have great guests. And whenever I can, sort of slip it in. But see, what your podcast does, is it's baked into your podcast. The way you love your, yeah. your city, the way you love people, the way you love music, the way you love the people that were your mentors growing up and your neighborhood growing up, that teaches people how to love their neighborhood, their neighbors, their family, their friends, their community. So you could be listening to your, you know, your podcast. People could be listening in Gary, Indiana or Tokyo, Japan. You're teaching them how to love Gary, Indiana, how to love Tokyo, how to love your neighbors, your neighborhood, because every neighborhood is unique. Every neighborhood is beautiful and special. I know that in the Bronx and in Brooklyn, it's not just one neighborhood. That every, how many neighborhoods would you say is in Brooklyn? Oh, man. It, it, if it was a city, it would be the fourth largest city in America. That's how big it is. So it's so many different neighborhoods. That's amazing. I, 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 never, I never calculated, but just think of that. It would be the fourth largest city in America. That's amazing. And, and, uh, and then you got the other boroughs that are big and, you know, and, yeah. and beautiful Manhattan. and unique and diverse. Yes, Bronx. Bronx is beautiful. Uh, Queens, Staten Island, Manhattan, Harlem, all that stuff. Man, it's just so, so, so much. There's a movie you need to see. It's my favorite movie. It's called A Guide to Recognizing Our Saints by Ditto Montiel. He, he's from Queens, and it's about Queens in the okay. 80s. Oh, send me the link or something, man, you know, so I don't forget. I will. He's a really neat, neat guy, really great writer-director, and it's just a beautiful film. So any, okay. parting, any parting shots for our guys, for my audience? Oh, man. Oh, uh, just, yo, uh, this thing, man, hopefully – it will play itself out and just look at this stuff with critical uh, thinking and reasonable deduction and realize that something else is going on and just try to, you know, uh, ride it out. That's the best we can, man, because they kind of got us in the palm of their hands, man. Just do the best we can. That's all I can say, man. And hopefully it'll end, but this may be a new horizon like a new world man it might be something different on the other end yeah well let's make sure that different is better because i'm not keeping yep. this this isn't the new normal for me uh-uh no yeah. way this is not good no doubt about it i tweeted today what would patrick henry do and someone responded go surfing for an hour or two then break into a bar <laughs> <laughs> right like yeah this can't be what they want like it's not what they want it's just not good no, I'm not leaving this to my, my children and grandchildren. I want to leave them something better right. because you and I, 
gee, we've lived the most beautiful life in the most, we were born at exactly the right time in history. And yeah. we yeah. had, I feel like we had the best of everything. And I want to leave, um, my, our, our grandparents left us a world so much better than the one that they were born into. And I think it's our responsibility to leave. I'm already a grandfather and it's, mm -hmm. it's our responsibility to leave our, to our children and grandchildren a world better than we were given. And yeah. this, this ain't yeah. it right here. Yeah. This is re this is going backwards. This is regression. This is like some lockdown. I'm not, I'm not with that, man. No, this is Orwellian. Yeah, this is like 1917 Moscow, and and I'm not a Russian yeah. peasant, and nor are you. <laughs> we're not going to put yeah. up. We're not. Yeah. Put, that's no. what they're going to find out real quick. I think that we are yeah. not. We're Americans, and right. We might forget for a couple weeks, but there's going to come a point. Like you said in your show, like when the checks stop coming, they can shut things down, but the checks better come. And now we're being told, yeah, right. you might not even get that first check. Right. 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 Yeah. Well, yeah. well, Gerald Moody from This, That, and The Third, I hope everyone subscribes to uh, what I think is the just the most entertaining podcast in the world. It's been amazing to see how fast you've blown up. And thank you for making time to come on my show. Thank you for the courageous reporting from the epicenter of the yeah. corona uh, uh, virus in America and, and letting us know that there is no need for mass graves. And there is definitely no need to report on mass graves that there is no need for. And... um Thank you for doing that. Thank you for the discipline to make such a, a, a sophisticated, uh, complex, beautiful, and entertaining podcast every week. Uh, this has been Jason Jones from The Jason Jones Show. This episode has been brought to you by Movie to Movement. Look for their film, Divided Hearts of America, starring Benjamin Watson. Everywhere, either in theaters or if you can't go to theaters, on digital platforms later this year. Till tomorrow, aloha. This has been The Jason Jones Show, powered by Mudhouse Media.